Oh hey, you're listening to Pep Talk, a podcast launched during the national lockdown in April 2020 to celebrate and support our favourite New Zealand businesses. Join Grace Creft, ex-lawyer and former owner of Sweet Bakery and Cakery, to hear about how some of our favourite businesses built their brands, the ups and downs along the way, and what we can do to support them, both now and once business as usual returns. So, are you ready for a little pep talk on your coffee break? Then here's your host, Grace. about you but sometimes I really don't feel like cooking dinner especially after a big day or with a whiny three-year-old grabbing at my feet. <laughs> Freezer food is handy but it kind of has a bit of a bad rip. It's usually nothing gourmet and we all know how bad freezer burn can be. So enter today's guests Melissa and Jason from Cartel Food Co. With a love of Mexican food that came from a childhood living in Southern California, these high school sweethearts started Cartel Food Co. five years ago to bring their foodie passion into the frozen food aisle and to kind of breathe life back into a bit of a stagnant category. I discovered these guys at a Wellington on a Plate event where I got to taste their burrito magic and since then they are our family freezer staple. I pop a couple in the shopping each week, have them ready to grab when life gets in the way of cooking a good dinner. Since their beginnings where they were personally hand rolling 12,000 burritos from their base in the Wairarapa, now these guys have seen 550% growth and have sold over half a million burritos. Not bad at all for a stagnant freezer category, huh? As fellow Wairarapa residents represent, I can't wait to share this story and find out a bit more about what they've learned as they've grown and, of course, where they are planning to take this all in the future as well. So grab a snack, get comfy. We are in for a delicious chat. Hello, Jason, Melissa. Hi, guys. Welcome to Pep Talk. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Uh, So for everyone listening, Jason and Melissa are husband and wife team, as you might have guessed, and they actually live not that far away from me in the Wairarapa, just outside of Wellington. So we're keeping it nice and local this week. Uh, How is it going in Martinborough today? Beautifully. Um, Blue sky one today, no wind, sitting in the office at the bottom of the garden looking at trees, thinking this isn't a bad um, view from... The office, really. From the office. I like it. Good life. You're selling the lifestyle. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I'm very keen to hear all of this story from you guys. But before we jump into that, I always like to kick off the pep talks with some this or that questions that get us a little bit warmed up. So I don't know if you've heard these before, but they're not serious at all. So don't panic. Um, but are you guys set for your ones? Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> does feel do like, does feel like <laughs> a game show now. One eight. <laughs> Yeah, still no prizes. So. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, we'll do Melissa. You can go first. And I did. This is a very obvious one for you guys. Burrito or quesadilla? Burrito, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really set you up. You really couldn't yeah. say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll move on from that very obvious choice. <laughs> all right, Jason. We've got vegetarian or meat. Uh, have to say meat. I was going to say my favourite of your burritos is the vegetarian one, actually. And I think I've tried them all now. 
We get that a lot, actually. It's funny. I always tell people when we do a tasting, it's like the baseline flavour, like a wine tasting. It's all up from the bean and cheese, but it <laughs> actually is a really yummy, savoury flavour. So, All right. We're going to move away from food now. We're going to go, Melissa, we've got snowboarding or skiing. I used to be a skier, but then I met Jason 28 years ago and he converted me to snowboarding. So, yes, I am definitely a snowboarder. Right. <laughs> do you guys get to go to the snow much? Well, actually, um, since having children, not so much. But um, as luck would have it, we're going to Queenstown next week and taking the girls skiing for the first time. So we'll get them, I don't know if we're getting them skiing or snowboarding, but we're taking them up the mountain anyway. So that'll be fun. Oh, exciting. They'll just be happy just to play in the snow, right? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're pretty keen. Cute. Oh, that'll be awesome. I love how everyone's doing these amazing holidays at home at the moment. Yeah, I know. It's weird. Actually, I've never met so many people recently going to Queenstown. It's like, oh, you're going to be there at the same time as us. Oh, great, great. So it's going to be a big party, so that'd be fun. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's what Queenstown needs, so we'll, exactly. we'll encourage it. Yeah. All right, Jason, your turn. Newspapers or magazines? Oh, I think Melissa's getting the better questions. Jeez. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not a stitch up, I promise. No, no. Um, I'll go. I'd go. I used to go newspapers, but now I'm probably more magazines because newspapers used to be heaps better. They're not so good anymore. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with magazines. Good. See, that wasn't a bad one. That was a good no, one. What are you sorry. complaining about? No, I'll keep the mouth up. No right. more complaints. <laughs> good, good, good. Melissa, your turn. Sunrise or sunset? Uh, last night's sunset was pretty epic. The sky was red, so I have to say sunset. Mm, it was beautiful, eh? Mm, I loved amazing. it. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, last up, Jason. Now I feel the pressure for your ones. And this is not a great one. So I'm just going to let you down here. Okay, last one. Lollies or chocolate? <laughs> oh, I'd go lollies. There you go. And favourite favorite lolly? Lollies. Bonus. Or oh, chewy, chewy, fruity ones probably oh yeah i bought you lollies on friday night and then you went out she gave me a gift she said look what i bought you and i went out and i came home all i had was an empty lolly bag she'd eaten all the lollies that she bought me hello it's grace i'm just popping this quick note in here to say that there is a little bit of rustling on the track when jason talks and he assures me that he took off his jacket and it was a rustly jacket and he took it off but he couldn't take any more clothes off or he would be recording naked and we declined that kind offer but i can assure you that it does actually clear up pretty soon and the rest of the track from a little bit onwards is actually really nice and clear so don't stress about that and i hope you enjoy thanks guys all right so to kick off proper chat now that we've got to know you guys a little bit it's always cool at the beginning just to hear a bit about your personal backgrounds and I know I've done a little bit of recce on you guys so I know that you have quite interesting backgrounds that do sound like they kind of play into and have led you to where you are and what you are doing now so I'd really like to hear about this so maybe if each of you could just kind of quickly bite-sized take us through what you were doing before you started Cartel Food Co. Okay, so um, I actually spent my career in sales, so um, my last job was before we started the Burrito Lark, was um, sales manager for Lotto New Zealand, so really familiar with the sales process, retail, supermarkets, and dealing with that whole, get, getting a product and selling it basically. I've sold everything from pencils to tea towels to, to Lotto tickets, so I pretty much know about selling stuff, so that's me. 
um, then Jason's history is a little bit more exciting than mine, I think. <laughs> uh, prior, okay, so prior to starting Cartel, I'd spent a few years working on a, a, another prod, uh, product in the ambient space. Um, it was a powdered energy drink, which I um, imported into New Zealand and um, set about getting sold in the supermarket. So that's where I kind of learnt quite a bit, I guess you could say, about just the whole process of how so supermarkets operate, um, just dealing with the head office, the supply chain, the, so the logistics side of it and sales. So that was um, sort of good good experience. Um, the product ultimately didn't work out, but I, I kind of thought, well, I've spent all this time learning about uh, this industry. Where can I apply that knowledge elsewhere? And that was sort of the, I guess, the springboard to then look around for something else, which ultimately became Cartel. And I think, I think the other thing was is that we had high school sweethearts just backing the truck right up. But um, so met when I was seventeen when I was at Wellington Girls. But we used to pash in the back of oh. my Austin Maxi. Can <laughs> you can you can't. say pash on the podcast? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> you can definitely anyway. say pash. I love I love anyway. the use of pash. That's great. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, after we finished pashing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I completely lost yeah. my train of thought. And I used to buy smokes <laughs> oh as well. Oh my gosh! I don't smoke <laughs> yeah. anymore. It's so, all anyway. coming out now. Yeah. What so a beginning. Is, yeah. <laughs> Classy, eh? But anyway, so moving forward, so got married and stuff. But anyway, even when we were when I was eighteen, nineteen, we used to talk about having a business together. So definitely, always. Jason's been an entrepreneur and done a lot of things on his own and. Um, done a lot of different stuff in regards to flipping his own ticket and working for himself whereas I've always worked in the corporate environment but we had always talked about that we wanted to do something to get together and create some kind of empire we never knew that it would be a burrito one but here we are yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's happening yeah oh that's so cool what a, yeah I love that beginning that's brilliant and then the the Mexican food side of things so you guys just did you just have a love of Mexican food where did that all come from uh well my um uh family were living in southern California in my late teens and uh sort of Frozen burritos are quite innocuous over there. Mexican food, very prevalent. And I think um, fa fast forward to when we were um, looking around for opportunity, um, the sort of put two and two together, saw the um, Mexican space expanding in the supermarkets and in general, the popularity of it, and sort of had a bit of a light bulb moment where I thought, well, why don't we make some burritos like I used to have when I was a teenager, but but just better quality ones. Um, that was sort of the condensing it down into a, a, you know, a smallish sound bite, I guess you could say. When we actually decided, well, there was a bit of a, a story as to how we got to the time and place of, of choosing to do this business, but whilst we were looking for opportunities, we spent a lot, and we knew it was going to be in the supermarket space, because one of the things we always wanted to do is we wanted a business. We wanted to live out of Wellington, but the reason for that was we, if we were going to start a business, we needed to live somewhere that we could afford to, so that was part of the reason why we moved here. But before we did that move, we wanted a business that was scalable in the environment that we were going to live in, so we didn't want to have a, a business that was reliant on the local community or anything like that. But this, 
re reason I mention all that is that prior to moving here, we spent a lot of dates in the supermarket, which sounds really boring. But <laughs> who says they don't know how to show a girl a good time? Yeah. in the back of the car, past buy a smokes, years, take it to the supermarket. Buy <laughs> yeah, up and, and down the frozen frozen yeah. category of New World Shavers Park, going, oh, this is a good idea. Let's do this. So that's <laughs> how we got there. And and what about the name? How did you guys come up with? Was it hard to choose? Uh, not really in the end, like I, um, I had a, a little bit of a short list, but I, I think one thing I wanted to do when I was creating the brand was to create something that was memorable and wasn't the typical kind of cliche, you know, sleepy sombrero wearing Mexican ne next to a cactus with a sort of cantina um, motif or colours in the background, like you know, is is fairly standard, so I just went something a, a bit more more edgy, I guess you could say. Mm, I love it. I love where you've gone with the brand and everything. It's yeah, it definitely stands out, and it's fun as well. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't definitely don't take ourselves too seriously. And I think most people can sort of see that, and we've had um, sort of overwhelmingly positive response to just the the look and the feel and everything about the brand. Mm, definitely and I think because I heard when you started were you going to do burrito kits instead of actual burritos is that roughly what happened and where did the change come from uh you're right actually so I think I mean we're both foodies so uh again in the context of of the grocery uh aisle or the supermarket business I say that beforehand the sexy area is is the, the children again sexy in supermarkets I don't know about that but you, you know your pre-cooked lamb shanks or your um curries with the you know just the the nicer quality children ready to eat meals that you might see in like more Wilson's or you know uh, formed a new world and, and so on and we our initial thought was well why don't we make a kit with really great ingredients and you make your own burritos and I was all excited about the idea, and then I talked to a few people, and they said, "Oh, sounds like sounds like a lot of work." And I was like, "Oh, okay." And then on top of on top of that, um, it was also just not coming from a food manufacturing background at all. I thought, "Well, how do you manage the perishability of chilled items?" And I think that was sort of the that light bulb moment that I mentioned earlier, where I thought, "Well, actually, if we freeze it, that's that's not going to be an issue." So that was sort of the the pivot, and then. Um, uh, and doing a bit of just background research, I was chatting to a, uh, a frozen food manufacturer, I think up in Tauranga or something, a bigger one, and he described it as a, um, sort of a, a stagnant category lacking in innovation. And I thought, I got off the phone, he was quite quite kind of glum about the whole thing. I thought, brilliant. Um, <laughs> Opportunity. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. That's what I was hearing. So, um, you know, rightly or wrongly, I, I, was, I was enthused by that conversation. So, yeah, that was sort of... Uh, uh, those few factors sort of combined for us to then just really look at, at moving into that frozen space. I think that's great and I love because your tagline I think it's like frozen food that actually tastes good which just makes so much sense because like frozen food does get a bad rep like in terms of quality and everything but I love that you guys are shown it doesn't have to like busy people, families, people that work a lot like having good frozen food in the ready in the freezer just makes so much sense so yeah I can definitely see why why it ended up working out so good you saw that opportunity in the stagnant section of the supermarket yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and once you decided to, to go with it with this frozen burrito you got the plan uh what what 
were those steps like for you guys to get it from this idea to actually seeing it in in the supermarket maybe you could talk us through a little bit of that process just leveraging off of that previous experience i mentioned where i sort of had spent all this time putting together the pieces of the puzzle for this other product and again starting as I, as I seem to like to do in life start with something I know nothing about and go that's what I'm going to do and then you, <laughs> then you start Keeps picking it interesting. <laughs> and I guess what I like about that is it, it's a problem or a puzzle that you have to pick to get pick to pieces and put back together and working each piece out as you go and um, and that you, know, you, you feel like getting nowhere and then you know you, you finally actually realize oh this piece and that piece that's starting to make sense there's a few gaps which along the way you know through the whole process of exploring and asking and talking you, you get those answers and uh, somewhere along the line you, you get to where you're going so in terms of what what we did with the um, the burritos I, I worked worked on the branding with a, with a friend who developed the, the look of the brand based on a brief um, I Which we were very lucky. She's one of my oldest high school friends and actually she was the person who said to me when I walked out of the second floor in the common room, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't it be funny if you married him? Um, That's tough. And, that. and she, she's, she's got her own design company now, the Brand Depot, so just shout out for her. But, yeah, thank um, you, Catherine. Yeah, Catherine did, did all of that for us for free. And I guess one of the, one of the things that... Um, we have done right from the beginning is we're going to do this on the sniff of an oily rag uh, right at the beginning because just backtracking Jason's business experience with this previous product there's a lot of learnings on what you spend your money on and the return on that investment and yeah we had our fingers burnt a little bit on that and lost a bit of money and um, some big learnings about you know you can have these big marketing budgets and blow it so quickly and we were really really I guess astute with we're not uh, spending any money yeah it <laughs> really really shaped everything we did I was very yeah very reluctant to go through the same experience twice which made us very resourceful and yeah. um just building uh building small and then sort of adding on and adding on um so yeah, so getting back to sort of the general general pieces of the puzzle, I developed the recipes in the kitchen at home. Um, again, because Moss and I are, are foodies, I, we really wanted it to be uh, just normal food, so no sort of crazy additives or food science involved, and that underlying philosophy that, you know, uh, if you cook something with good ingredients and you do a good job of it and freeze it, it shouldn't be shouldn't be a, a surprise when it comes out the other end being tasty and that was sort of the the basic starting point so I developed the recipes at home uh, then sort of dealt with all the the various bits and pieces so you know we worked out um, an off-the-shelf packaging solution because we couldn't afford to get commercial packaging made at that point um, and we got some samples sort of I guess you can minimum viable product as uh, is what we ended up with and went into more Wilson's and said, well, what do you think about this? <laughs> and We only had two flavours. We, we had two flavours. Yeah. The buyer said, oh, these, these are good. Have you got a chicken one? I said, no. He said, well, you might want to think about that because chicken's number one selling meat. I was like, okay. So we went away and made a chicken one, which is well, one. Being one. our <laughs> number one seller. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just started, we had that sort of initial interest. They said, yep, we'll, we'll take some. So then we um, fast forward a number of months and we're in Martinborough. We've leased a uh, local cafe that shut on the weekends um, 
and uh, you know the owner was very uh, helpful and supportive. Gave us the space for our fledgling enterprise. I said, "Oh well, you hardly know we're there." Sixty dollars a week. It was sixty bucks a week rent, something yeah. like that, and we were in there cooking on a Sunday with our pots, and away we went. Um, I think the first oh, that's week, good. yeah, we made like two hundred burritos in the first week. I think Melissa and I cooked all day. I was there sort of four nights rolling these things, scratching my head going, how the heck is this ever going what to work? What are we doing? <laughs> Not to mention we had a five-month-old oh, baby, yeah, five second month. baby at yep. home. So yep. in, between, in between making refried things, going home to feed her. So <laughs> I was, yeah, so it's just... <laughs> <laughs> when you look back at it, you're like, what were we up to? But you just do what you have to do, right? You just make it happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, you feel all... I think there's a real optimism and excitement when you're like, finally, we've talked about it all this time. Now we're doing it, doing it. And then we're like, right, we're doing it. How the hell are we going to make yeah. this week? <laughs> we've got to quit my job <laughs> in Wellington. We've bought a cheap house and so we can live over here and make our lives work over here. And yeah, I just, we, I, I think even though we were optimistic, I don't, we kind of had this funny little joke that we used to say oh well if it doesn't work we'll just slam the microwave door shut and walk away because <laughs> it's a microwavable product yeah and then it's like ding we, i'm out ding, slam I'm out. <laughs> I'm done, and then a week later we got a reorder from more wilson's we're like okay and um i guess i think yeah it's really vindicating when you've created something and like you said minimal viable product we, we try to do it as is with, with the least amount of capital possible to, to just try it out and we prove out, yeah prove yeah, our, our concept our goal was to let's beta test this before we put i mean because obviously if you're going to grow you have to you know invest at some stage but we just wanted to beta test it perfect it see what we needed to actually do but i i think we were i mean the ex excitement when someone passes you know actually says i want to reorder we're like oh really what? Okay. They must okay. have sold them. Yeah. Is this right? But, um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's really exciting then. I guess the excitement of those early stages, you know, we've had some way bigger wins than that first reorder of eight cartons, but just the excitement of that, yeah, you just yeah. never replace that. It's yeah, you'll cool. never forget. Yeah. yeah. And I think I read you guys rolled like 12,000 burritos or something yourselves, which, yeah. Yeah. when you stop and think about it, like, that's a lot of burritos to like have yeah. your own hand in you must have yeah. been like dreaming about them i used to go to bed dreaming yeah. about icing cakes you must have been like yeah. dreaming yeah. about folding burritos yeah. Yeah. definitely yeah. definitely yeah <laughs> what about transporting them like because obviously frozen <laughs> oh. it makes it oh, yeah. easier in terms yeah. of shelf life yeah. but it must make it harder to get them places well it, it's it's funny um not so well, much now yeah, but it, it's, it's surprisingly easy now but but back then, um, it was chili bins in the back of the car driving over the hill into Wellington to make deliveries. <laughs> and it, it's funny, I used to, and I still think about dry this when ice. I... You've got dry yeah, ice I've tried all sorts of things. So <laughs> so when, when you start um, making something frozen, you pull it out of the freezer, stick it in the chili bin, you go, well, that's, that's cold. You show up in Wellington and you think, well, that's still pretty cold. And it is because it's minus... Uh, it's minus 15 degrees or something. And the supermarket goes, oh, geez, well, we'll, we'll let it... You know, that's, that's pretty marginal. We'll, we'll let it in this time, but really it needs to be between minus 16 and minus 18 degrees. You're like, oh, give me oh, a break. Right. And so, yeah. so um, yeah, as Melissa said, I, we, we tried all sorts of things. I tried going to Seaview to buy dry ice uh, from Bok Gases and then loading the chili bins up with that to get it super cold. We tried sort of supercharging the freezer back in Martinborough to drop the temperature down, you know, just... 
uh, I mean, we got we got through that stage in the end, but I, I used to think about driving over the Rimutakas just. You know, I'd have I'd have one chili bin in the back of the car, then I'd have two, then I'd have three, then the whole car would be full of chili bins. You know, this is ridiculous, but um, we got finally got to that stage where we were able to get a um, a logistics company out of Palmerston to come and um, come and service us in the Wairapa, which we were, you know, and that was sort of the, the turning point because that let us uh, have a sort of a, a proper frozen supply chain, so we could deliver anywhere from that point. Um, yeah, yeah, that must have been a big moment for you guys, not having to take them in chili bins anymore. Oh, exactly. I, I used to. <laughs> we had we had a, a walk-in freezer that we bought that was out the back of this cafe as we continued to expand there, and I used to spend probably an hour, sometimes two hours, in my snowboarding gear in the freezer because I didn't have freezer gear, but the, <laughs> the snowboarding gear worked well, and you know, boxing stuff up <laughs> came in and, handy. Exactly, loading this this truck up, and then off off it would go. So yeah. It's funny how you kind of have those like step changes in terms of growth, but be- right before them, you have these really painful moments, you know, like the time when your car was just full of chili bins and then you crack it and you finally tip over into something that's a bit easier for you guys. And then I'm sure it just keeps going like that, right? Like you then hit your next big step change and yeah, just never ends. But it's good because it means that you're growing. And I think, did I read that it was like 550% growth in sales since you guys launched? Yeah, Is that right? That was last year. So that was last year. But <sighs> yeah, since... Um, Be even more now. Yeah, so since we were already growing, I think um, on the previous year we were up, in April, oh, sorry, previous year's results we were up eighty five percent on the previous year. But then um, we had COVID this year, but that was already on a base of growth. And um, yeah, luck, thankfully, because we we're well aware that not all businesses or a lot of businesses have suffered during this pandemic. We've actually really benefited because we we're part of the supermarket supply chain. And our biggest issue is customers like. Our customer is the person who might go to the frozen section for frozen berries and some Lewis Road Creamery ice cream. Um, they'll buy chilled convenience food, but they'll look at the frozen convenience food and go, oh, that sounds yuck. Um, so they don't even bother looking. So for us, COVID meant that there were people in the supermarkets who were looking in our category, which they wouldn't usually look in. So we've had a, even though sales have dropped off to the three main months during COVID, our base has grown significantly, which is great, which means we've got new customers. So mm, it's really that's amazing. Mm. Yeah, to come through this and still be yeah. on that trajectory. It's funny, I, I think just um, what you said earlier about it's it's one painful thing to the next in terms of when you're growing. Uh, and we've got plenty of those examples. For, ex- mm. for example, the first 100, I think it was 150,000 units we made were in these uh, plastic bags that we, you know, were, were an off-the-shelf solution, um, and we'd put a sticker on the front and the back of each bag and a date sticker. So that's three stickers and a bag all hand assembled, which doesn't seem like a lot, but when you do that 150,000 times, it just is mind-boggling how much how much cost and wasted um, material and, and energy and effort goes into that. So we we uh, we then moved to a, a printed bag, which was sort of a revelation for us. So there was no more stickers, uh, still, still. But then we would hand seal those. So then we did another two or three hundred thousand, something like that, like that, <laughs> that still had a manual date stamp on. And we only just at the beginning of last year moved to a packaging machine. It's sort of this. Uh, 
Um, it's like how most things are packed. Like if you look in the yeah, it, it's just a standard machine that, that yeah. bigger businesses have. But we um, just the, the capital cost to get set up. We just didn't didn't have the the money or the or the space for it. And just it really each piece of equipment like that just transforms um, a, a part of of your process. And it's just it's just like a little bit of luxury to go. You put that on the on the belt and away it goes. And it's packaged in the blink of an eye. Not um, you know. Three or four stickers, a little heat sealer that you do by hand, and a guillotine, and yeah, it's just we always laugh at that. Though it's that kind of (laughs) we call it the teaspoon era when everything was done by teaspoons. Now we've got bigger spoons. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The big guns. Yeah, the big guns. (laughs) Glamorous, bigger spoons. Yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, I actually I used to work when I was younger. I worked for a summer in a pie factory, and and my favorite job was the pie packing machine because they would like sail along the the little conveyor belt and the thing would slam down between the things and the wrappers and then occasionally one would get cut in half and all the like mints would just like ooze oh, yeah. out everywhere. <laughs> yeah. well, that's good to know because that happens to our burritos too now and then yeah. you're like, oh. <laughs> So I guess in terms of you guys growing, the supermarket side of things has been really big and also like, that makes sense because of your background as well, um, you know, bringing your expertise in supermarkets into it. Um, you really do need to be able to say like, find us in the freezer aisle and and know that most people can find it at their local supermarket. So I'm kind of interested if you can share any wisdom on that process of getting ranged in a supermarket. Like it's not as easy as just walking up to one and being <laughs> yeah. like, do you want to carry our, our product? Like that's uh, a yeah, big no, project. Right, so yeah. No, I think um, it's perseverance. It's perseverance. <laughs> like I had one, like, so basically we started and, you know, also got a young family. We moved here um, when we first moved here, we were living off savings that dried up pretty quickly. Then it was, oh, mum, dad, can we borrow some money? Um, in, your, in your 40s, that's all good. <laughs> but, it never um, ends. Poor parents. No, no I know. So um, I think, you know, we were restrained by finances as well. So we were pretty helping on getting more stores. Obviously, it's one thing to make the product. You've got to sell the product and keep that going. So... Um, for us, we were like, okay, well, we'll go and travel to those places to get to those stores if we can, but if we can do it by phone, let's do that first. So basically foodstuffs, which is New Worlds and Pack and Saves, they said to us, like, we'll give you this type of ranging, which is basically you're on your own. You have to knock on every single door, talk to every single frozen category manager in every store. Once you've got to over 70, we'll look at, doing something else which is supplying the distribution centre so basically Jason and I were on the phone every single day hi it's Melissa from Cartel Food Company would you like to buy my burritos I just spoke to you last week and so I had some store I had one store in Auckland I think I rang every day every week for 18 months before we got in that store but you know it, it, we're just one little product they've got so many products to think about and if you want to sell your product you just got to keep on hustling basically and that's the same now as it was then and now we've got more stores but it's one thing getting on the shelf it's the next thing hustling it off the shelf and it's just a constant fight and I love it I love it but yeah some days just like oh my god gosh am I still doing am I still hustling this but it's great now we've got another person who's working for us who's helping us in the sales side of things so we have a sales agency who looks after supermarkets so they actually 
instead of us ringing, getting us into stores, um, they have sales reps that go around and service the stores. But our new sales opportunities that we're looking outside of supermarkets, we've got a sales and marketing assistant now who's working for us, who's helping us with that, which is just the same thing that I was doing. It's no different. Hi, I think your burritos would, our burritos would sell well here. Do you want a sample? Ringing up the following week, how was the sample? How did it go? Great. When do you want to order? And just replicating that over and over. And that's really, it's not really any rocket science. It's just... Yeah, being tenacious, I guess. And like those supermarket buyers just get so many calls and like you say, you just have to really keep on it. We mentioned earlier that you guys live over here and that you yeah. moved over as kind of part, you built this into yeah. the business plan a little yes. bit, like mm. downsizing, yeah, house prices. Yeah, so yeah. what was that, uh, like are you happy with that decision? Has it has it worked out oh, well as a piece brilliant. of this puzzle? Yeah, we, so even if our business um, disappeared tomorrow, we wouldn't. As much as I like Wellington, we wouldn't move back because this life, um, quality of life over uh, where we live in Mutborough is just exceptional. The, it, it's almost like going back in time in terms of the um, sense of community uh, and just the feel of living in a small town. It just... It, it feels like what life was like when we grew up. Like, kids can bike to school, you can go and roll a skate around the road down the street and it's, it, it feels safe and obviously no community is perfect but yeah I mean the weather's amazing. People take the time to, to talk. And what about working together? What's that been like? Well, <laughs> if, I'm interested to hear your perspective. If you could imagine that Melissa's background is a corporate one with quite a lot of structure and hierarchy. and I've always managed people as part yeah. of my job. And yeah. I've always worked by myself, alone. for myself, alone. <laughs> yes, um, I can see where this is going. Yeah. Uh, apparently, I'm the hardest person in the business to deal, deal with. <laughs> and the one that you can't get rid of. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. right. Um, oh. I have lost track of the number of times that she's quit, um, <laughs> but I always hire her back. Um, I think I've... Even in recent years, I've actually quit as well. Prob, uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> a lot less than you. I think. I think. <laughs> but all jokes aside, I think um, the working together, I think, would be a lot easier if we weren't, if it wasn't all the other stuff. So, family together, living together, like, like. Well, I know, and I'm just saying, like. The, the business is awesome and that's we're really excited about where that's going but it it's all encompassing it's more like any job I've ever had yeah I come home and talk about how my boss was annoying me whatever bit of a joke and that would then get on with your night but it just infiltrates mm. everything and you know you know, get into bed last night and Jason's like, blah 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 about work I'm like, that's all we just talked about not talking about work so I think you know, and so, you know, we go, oh, well, let's have our weekly work in progress meeting on a Monday night after the girls are in bed. No, let's not do that. But we do. So I think I think our biggest thing that we need to do is get some uh, balance and boundaries. Balance and, <laughs> boundaries. And yep. we um, working. I wouldn't do this with anybody else. I think it's such a massive deal to 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 start something and to grow it to to where we've got to and we've got a long way to go also and I wouldn't want to do that with anyone else Jason's you know he's my best mate but in order to maintain our marriage and our family life <laughs> we need to have discipline and the discipline of going right we're at home now 
we're not talking about that. No, it's just off limits and we're not that good at that and we need to get better at that. And Yeah, it's definitely a double-edged sword, I think, because I worked with my, or ran, ran my business with my husband too, and it's a bit of both. It's like, it's great because you're all both, you're both all in on it. Like you're both really hustling because you know the bigger picture and it benefits both of you equally. And, you know, there's no begrudging, you know, one person being so obsessed with work or whatever, because you're both obsessed with it. Um, but then at the same time, yeah, it brings in all those other kind of boundary issues and, and never being able to switch off your your mind and things which are really important for mental health and as well yeah (laughs) and before we kind of move on I'm always interested to hear a bit about the future it is a little bit of a strange time to be thinking about it with everything that's going on but I'm I'm interested to hear what you guys have in mind like bigger picture for Katao like is it a bigger range or overseas or what does that all look like for you guys no I I think um notwithstanding like you said the the sort of crazy time we're in um Definitely our goal is always to scale the business uh, firstly to a national level and then to look at at export. I think uh, it's always kind of tempting to to look overseas and go, you know, that's, you know, the grass is looking greener over there. But what I I think what we both realise is we're still very, our niche is still very small in New Zealand and we think there's plenty of uh, room to grow nationally first and so really that what that looks like is uh, expanding our customer base with our current range in supermarkets but also into other channels food service and so on and then further down the line is definitely new products not not too far down the line because you you can't be um, just uh, bringing out the same couple of uh, yeah. ponies every t- every time you've got to have have some <laughs> new tricks up your sleeve so um, we've got yeah. a few things yeah. up our sleeve that we want to do but with this new move which is part of the reason why we're moving to a bigger facility so we can actually have the space to be able to make and trial and yeah. create these new things so yeah, we've, yeah but we've got them up our sleeve yeah the, i mean the, the great or one of the great uh benefits we got out of the lockdown was just a snapshot into the future of what demand at a level we were forecasting for sort of maybe next year looks like and mm. <laughs> what it looks like is, an, <laughs> is a three ring or maybe a four ring circus if there is such a thing because it was just our, our facility I mean we started off in there with you know three five of us all together and I think at the peak of COVID there was probably was there 12 or 14 of us and wow and it was just you, you couldn't you were tripping over one another and just just all the cracks under when the systems under pressure are highlighted. So that that was a good thing because you, you can get through it in the short term because everyone pitched well, everyone pitched in and we knew we just had to get our heads down and get things, stuff yeah. done and, and work around and, and come up with sort of short term solutions. But now that that pressure has just eased off a bit, it, it it's been good because you go right. We need to get cracking on a, a bigger premises where we can. Um, be up to the task when when demand gets to that level, um, mm, which it will yeah, crack back towards again. So yeah, it's kind of we got a snapshot into the future, which was mm, which was lucky, which yeah. we were lucky to do because it's it's easy having just I mean we've just gone through a, a factory fit out last year, and you just feel like right, well I've got that done and this should last me for a couple of years and then. <laughs> three we months. Thought three yeah. years. Yeah. We thought three yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe three years. We thought even and um, yeah. yeah then. COVID kicked in and the lockdown hurt and you're like oh my goodness uh, what were we thinking so anyway 
Yeah, that's really interesting. It sounds like, I mean, obviously everything that's happening with COVID is, is a nightmare, but it also sounds like it's been, relatively speaking, kind of kind to you guys in a way. Yeah. Yeah, um, like um, taking on new staff during a, a yeah. global pandemic is kind of yeah. crazy. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like four new people during lockdown. Yeah. And also we had um, we had uh, three people who, who were immunity compromised, so they couldn't be at work. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a great, great combo. We we had sort of we were producing uh, three to four times the normal level of stock a week, and essentially three quarters of our staff who mm-hmm. made them were, were gone. So we were hiring, Training. and Moss and I were uh, in the thick of it, and uh, just yeah, we pr- I think we worked something like seventeen days straight at the beginning of lockdown yeah. just to oh, oh while while trying to manage. Kids homeschooling. homeschooling and kids, kids being locked at yeah. home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, <laughs> if we could have, we've, actually, Matilda, our eldest, she rolls a pretty good breed. Yeah. We could have got her down. Yeah. <laughs> no, not really. Start the no, no, Yeah, I it like was it. a juggle, but we made it work. Yeah. Oh, what a roller coaster! But yeah, really great that it treated you, relatively speaking, pretty well. Yeah, that's mm. right. Nice. Yeah, very well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hmm. All right, well, before we wrap up, which we better do now, time is getting on, but I want to pick your brain just a little bit more because I always like to end by stealing a little bit of advice. So maybe you guys can each share with us some advice or a tip or something that you guys have learned from starting this business, something you've learned along the way. Um, I think I think the biggest learning that we have had, well, right from the beginning, we wanted to try things. So we basically we didn't, you know, throw all our chips in and go and spend a whole lot of money on stuff. We were very, very resourceful with how we spent our money and and how we got people to try things. And I regularly get asked, actually, oh, you know, did you do a lot of market research? And we're like, well, actually, we looked at the market. We looked at the opportunity. We looked at what was happening in other areas of the supermarket. We wanted to do something Mexican. We could see that there was Mexican, um, was a popular uh, food group but we could see also that Frozen didn't have anything in there, uh, anything on offer um, but we also saw that convenience food especially internationally, especially quality convenience food had a real opportunity and so you can pay for research, you can do a whole lot but it, and have focus groups but at the end of the day the best amount of best research is when you make something and you sell it and when people part their money with for something that is the most vindicating research you can do. So I still live by that, that we we sort of started everything based on, well, let's see if we can sell this. And, and once we've got that customer, we know what that customer is, just repeating that, getting more of those and more of those people doing the same thing and then it builds from there. So that's sort of one learning. And then the other one is just it's very easy for people who aren't in your game or you look at who have been successful in what area they are in or have done to give you advice. And we find we get we get a lot of advice from people. We don't ask for it sometimes. <laughs> we ask for lots of advice too, definitely. We yeah. ask for heaps of advice. We, we've picked up the phone. I've, I've talked to so many different brand owners for so many different things. I just ring them, hey, what about this? Can I ask some questions? And everyone who started it on their own is super happy to go – yeah, well, let's have a coffee. I'm happy to share my thoughts. Go, of course, yes, pass it forward. So that's always been really helpful, having the confidence to ask others who've been there a little bit ahead of you to get sort of an insight. But then also people who you might not want 
their advice, give you helpful advice. And I think sometimes you doubt yourself because yeah, it's quite you're quite vulnerable when you, as you know, you start a business. You you've got this idea of what you want to do, but deep down, I think I don't know what they call it, what pretender syndrome or something. Um, oh, imposter syndrome. Down, yeah, imposter yeah. syndrome. You feel like you feel like people can tell that you don't know what you're doing, and so someone who's I don't, yeah, someone who's got some real experience in other areas might go, oh, have you thought about? This is our one we get all the time. Have you thought about doing a food truck? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. and, but not that we're going to do a food truck. We're a supermarket product and that is not um, going to get us the market that we need. However, people regularly give you advice and because you have that as doubts, you go, oh, maybe we should try that. Or you start doubting yourself even more and I guess listening to yourself and backing yourself and just constantly not buying into that. You don't know what you're doing because actually we do. That's so true and you're exactly right. It's because you're kind of vulnerable and you're feeling a bit conscious of it already and then someone says something and you're like, oh, yeah. And it's very it's very hard to be that confident and be like, nope, I'm not going to listen to that. Nope, I don't need to hear that. But it takes a lot of, you know, you have to work on that, don't you? Yeah. I think uh, I agree with what Melissa said, but I'd, I'd say when you're starting out, I think it's important to do do your research in um, in the field you're, you're looking at and if you take a consumer product as an example people think oh well I make a great whatever it is so maybe I can sell that and I'll put my you know I've got this cool name let's put a label on that and we'll sell that um, which is I guess how lots of things start but then once you've made that decision the number of people I've come across who haven't actually taken the time to do any research about the the market that they're going into so you know the the logistics how does the market operate the the margin expectations so some of that basic homework you can do to inform your um, decisions at the beginning and that's as simple as as you know if you take supermarkets you pick up the phone you talk to the local supermarket guy who deals with the area that you're interested into then you ring the head office you have a, you have a couple of chats with people you make some calls and it's amazing how forthcoming people are with their knowledge and you start to compile that and that that gives you the the sort of background so yep you've got your product you've got your idea you've been able to make it cheaply but you also understand well this is how much I need to sell it for and why and this is what the store expects mm. and this is what you know this is how I'm going to get there and this is what that's going to cost so right. all that kind of um, background research you can do before you start jumping in um, mm. so that you you kind of can go well yep to begin with this is how we're going to do it but I know ultimately this to. is where we need to get to and these are some of the the markers we need to be able to hit to make it viable so let's summarize do your research how about that <coughs> yeah Jason's really good at that stuff mm -hmm. yeah he's really good at that stuff like I I'm probably more in the now whereas Jason's like yeah well okay well this is how we're going to make the product now but if we want to sell to every supermarket in the country this is the margins they expect therefore we need to be at this and how we're going to get there and it sounds really boring and businessy but at the end of the day it's actually <laughs> it's reality that's so true because that's what it's going to say was like I feel like sometimes when you're starting something like that you're kind of nervous to ask those questions because you don't want to find out that it's not viable because you're yes. so yeah. excited <laughs> about it and you're like this is going to yeah. be amazing and then and yeah. you don't want to ask because you're like what if what if it turns out it's a really shit idea <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> <laughs> that's but, right but you have like, it's good no one else to. does <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, yeah it's you, true. And, and I guess it's not about necessarily finding out that you shouldn't do it. It's more like finding out how or a particular direction or a bit of a change. Like you guys and your change from burrito kits to frozen. Like you could have been really attached to that and be like, no, 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 I don't want to change. It's my baby. But actually just listening to that research has led you down this path. So, yeah. All right. I'll let you off the hook now. Thank you so much for joining me. No that problem. was. Yeah, so good to hear that all. Yeah, and I will keep my freezer well stocked as it is and keep a lookout for those new products that you're talking about too. Thank you very much. All right, thanks guys. Bye.